Welcome back to Basic Brain Heart, the show where we celebrate and interrogate creatives of all stripes. I'm Hannah Camacho. Now, if this is the first time you're joining us, I want to share just a little bit about the show. This is a place where um, we try to demystify the creative process. I'm one of those people who did not study art or any sort of creative pursuit uh, professionally, and I'm just always looking for great tutorials and, of course, attending YouTube University or Gumroad, etc. Always trying to learn, um, but obviously not having studied it professionally. I feel so encouraged when I hear the stories of folks who are willing to break it down, which is one reason why I'm really excited about today's interview with the lovely Google Doodler. She's an illustrator. Her name is Alyssa Winans, and she's just the kindest person. She's so incredible. If you want to go ahead and browse her work while I give her a quick intro, I encourage you to visit her website, which is alyssawinans.com. And her work is just so beautiful. I would just love to have massive posters and put them all over my office. (laughs) It's so great. Um, Not only that, but she's got a really fun um, Instagram. I love that she posts a lot of her pen and ink work there. You can find her there at A-L-A-W-I-N-A-N-S. Um, and browse some of her really fun work there while you listen. But Alyssa had a bit of an unconventional background. Some of the illustrators that we have had on the show have been folks who have taken art very seriously from a very young age, which is awesome. It's great. I don't want to take away from that at all, but it's also, for some of us, it's not relatable and it can be a little intimidating. So one thing I really appreciated, especially about Alyssa's story, was that she did not even consider art as a possible profession until she was ready to go into college. And so it was great to hear her story of how she really took her skills from zero to 60 um, within a relatively short time span um, and how she's really found some systems and processes that have really helped her. um, And she is working um, in a field that I think a lot of illustrators uh, certainly respect and appreciate. She's worked in the video game industry um, and certainly has done quite a bit of wonderful freelance design and now is a full-time Google Doodler. But I don't want to give you any spoilers here in the intro. So without further ado, I'm going to get out of the way so you can hear Alyssa's fantastic story in her own words. So without further ado, here is my interview with illustrator Alyssa Winans. Alyssa, I'm so thankful that you're taking some time on your Saturday to chat with me. I'm a huge fan of your work. So thanks for thanks for hanging. Oh, no, thanks for having me on and, you know, sharing your Saturday with me, too. (laughs) It's exciting. I almost feel like we should both have coffee, you know, just kind of like (laughs) sipping it long distance, talking over the microphone. Um, I am really interested. um, We talked a little bit before about your path so far, and it's different than what you typically hear um, artists and illustrators path being. So I'm especially excited to kind of jump into your backstory. So let's start there, if you don't mind, just kind of talking a little bit about where you grew up, what your interests were, where you went to school, and then how your artist, you know, artistic journey started. Uh, Sure. So I grew up in Illinois, about an hour west of Chicago. I'm the youngest of three girls. We all have A names, so my parents uh, did that. Um, Yeah, and you know, growing up, I I didn't really consider myself the creative kid. You know, I wasn't, you know, the art kid. If people needed things drawn, they didn't necessarily come to me. That was actually my best friend. Um, So she was, she's amazing. Like, we're still friends today. So 
Um, she's this incredible creative person and she was always excited about stories and characters. And so we were always drawing together when we were at her house hanging out. And I think that was kind of something that I just did with her. You know, I never thought too much about it. And I was certainly never like, ah, yes, this is, you know, what I want to do for my life. You know, it was just something, a real bright spot in my childhood. Uh, And we actually ended up going to different high schools. So I think that's where Things started to diverge. Uh, I had actually gone to a kind of unusual high school. I'm not sure that there's that many of these in the country. It's a public residential math and science school. So That's so interesting to me. I mean, I, I just still, still can't get over that. <laughs> it's, it's very strange. There's just not many of them. And I was just really lucky that there happened to be one in Illinois. Uh, so it was a three-year school, so they, they want you to do a year at your home school, like home local high school, um, and then you would transfer to this school where you would live for the next three years. Wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it's weird because I wasn't like, I wouldn't say I was like super math and science, but I liked it, and I, I did want kind of a smaller learning environment. You know, my local high school had over 3,000 people, um, and it was something my sister had attended as well. So I felt very comfortable with it. Gotcha. And was um, she still there when you started? No. So okay. my sister wow. and I are all each four years apart. Wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. I mean, cause I would have thought at that age, if you're actually living at your high school, um, you, it would be nice to have someone that, you know, being there that had to have been quite the adjustment. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I, I think it helped having had two sisters go through it. So at that point, you sort of know what to expect. And, and you know, you're put in with all these other students who are also like, you know, 13, 14, and you're all in it together. You know, you, you sort of do have each other's backs because they are your family away from home. And, and that was actually an amazing aspect of the schooling that I hadn't really taken into account, but, you know, really made it all very worth it. That's cool. And someday I really hope uh, you get to um, be showrunner on a show that recaps all those adventures. Oh my God. Ah, life at school. We're just going to jump ahead to that part. <laughs> oh man, that's just it's so incredible. And so when you really dove into that subject matter, math and science, um, as you were saying, like you, you were good at it, but it didn't necessarily light a fire in you. It wasn't necessarily your passion. At what point did you start to think about other options? So it took me a while. Uh, I wasn't very in tune with myself. Um, And generally, I really didn't know. Like, there wasn't anything in my life that I really felt that way about. So it it was kind of scary because I think there's all this pressure when you're that age that they're like, you should know what you want to do. And I'm like, how? How am I supposed to know? You know, but I, I was around a lot of people who did know because they were really passionate about what they did. Like, you know, I, I'd love to have that. You know, I felt very inspired by the people around me. Um, and then actually my junior year, I got a government scholarship to study in Japan for a year. And my school didn't take credits for it. So I actually spent five years in high school. Uh, but I think, you know, being there it really made me think about different things in my life and different things that had made me happy over the years, even if I didn't think of it as a career. And so I came back senior year. I was sort of in a different mindset. And I still didn't know that like art was a profession you could do or really anything like that. You know, I hadn't thought about it. I was like, oh, you know, it's it's a hobby, right? Uh, But November of my senior year, I found out there was art school. Um, Did not know that was a thing. And I think that really just started me thinking. And, you know, I didn't know if I would end up loving art in in the way I was searching for. Um, But, and I was also like not really good at it. 
but I was excited to learn more about it and uh, just to get better. And the school gave me a scholarship. So I was like, all right, I can't believe they accepted me. You know, maybe they see something that I don't, it's worth a try. And my family was like, you can transfer. Don't forget, you can always transfer. I think they were very shocked by this sudden shift. Um, mm. They were like, all right, you know, if, if you want to try this, we will support you. So mm. That's amazing. And <clears throat> when you first um, got into art school, you went to RISD, is that correct? Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure that a lot of the folks around you um, had been sort of preparing for this moment for years and... and um, did you initially feel intimidated at all or did it really feel like we're another situation where, Hey, we're all in this together. We're all learning. We're all starting, you know, from the basics. Um, was there an adjustment period, um, sort of in your freshman year there? I think there was both of that. I think when I did first show up, you know, and just felt how ignorant I was compared to a lot of people who just, you know, had the, the pen in their hands since age one, you know, I think at first I was like, Oh my gosh, you know, like, I'm just so in over my head. I just don't know anything. Who's Rembrandt? Why does everyone know who he is? It was just so shocking. But I think as I made friends and we were all in these grueling classes together, it did feel so much like we're all in this together. We're all learning together. And everybody really was, you know, like the college experience was very different and and everyone had things to share and, you know, we were all learning together. So I think I got much more comfortable with that as the years went on. I think that's awesome. So once you got to your senior year, you obviously didn't transfer. You stuck with it. Um, what did you start to think about in terms of a career or did RISD do a really great job in terms of preparing you for, hey, you know, you should start looking into this, trying this, getting ready for this. Um, how did you go about landing your first um, job in the industry? Um, so a lot of the later years of my education was very open-ended. It was sort of you pick, you customize your education through a series of electives. And I think the school wanted to give you skills that would aid you no matter what corner of the industry you went into. Because I did major in illustration, which is such a broad major and is applicable in so many different ways. Um, so kind of just learning the fundamentals there. And then when I was in school, I was really interested in working in game development I was like, oh, you know, maybe I could be a concept artist, that kind of thing. You know, it, it was really popular. A lot of people also um, had the same way of thinking. And luckily, um, my school had a portfolio review. Uh, they do that every year. And juniors and seniors can go. And I had, I think juniors and seniors can go. Um, but I had gone and I was lucky enough to get an internship out of it with a local game studio. So that was kind of my jumping off point. And I was just very fortunate um, that many things and timings aligned so I could have that opportunity. That's really cool. So did uh, game uh, concept art for gaming tend to be what you hoped it would be, or did you end up sort of um, learning and going in a different direction? Um, I think that first experience was actually really good, despite um, that company actually went bankrupt two weeks before I graduated oh, in a wow. really big international, like national news story, uh, maybe some shady stuff. Uh, so that was kind of really eye opening to be kind of just laid off even before I graduated. Um, but I was a weapons designer on that project. I, I only designed weapons and you know, I had a even though like, I think looking at my, my work, people would be like, you seem like you draw a lot of swords. I still really enjoyed it. And that's awesome. Things you wouldn't expect it, right? Yeah, um, I wouldn't, but I, I love it. 
Yeah, there's just so many basics you can learn just by thinking about shapes and silhouettes and color that I think have shaped how I make art. Um, but, you know, I went from there to another game job at Harmonix, and, you know, I really loved all the people I work with, but a lot of their stories really frightened me. You know, you could see a lot of them had some sort of PTSD from so many studio closings and their experience in the industry. And we hear so much about that today still in news articles, just, you know, strife and issues with the industry. And I think that just made me think a little bit about maybe, you know, don't put all my eggs in one basket and just explore what's out there and just think about where my art fit. And I wasn't really sure at that time, you know, like when I looked at the kind of art I was making, like I love making up things. I loved sort of the concept side of things. But, you know, when I look at a lot of games, you know, I, I don't necessarily see the kinds of things that I make. So that was yeah. always a hard too. What do you, what, when you draw what you want to draw, what does that tend, what does that subject matter? I mean, I've looked at obviously your portfolio, but for those who haven't seen it, what do you tend to be drawn towards when you just get to create something for you? <laughs> Giant women. Uh, that, you know, that was the thread I was on for a little bit. Um, I like kind of dramatic, fantastical scenes that are kind of surreal. Yes. And they're gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad you think so. Um, yeah, so that kind of work, it, it's been a struggle for me, actually, to figure out quite where all that fits. But um, I guess that's a that's a journey I'm on for life. So we'll, we'll figure it out at some point. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I love that. And I'd love also to hear about kind of how you went sort of from the games, the studio world, um, and how that led you to eventually becoming a Google Doodler, which I think a lot of people are, um, when they hear that term, they're like, whoa, that's, that's super interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was a strange transition and I can never, even though I'm pretty poor at using social media myself, I can never make fun of it because I did get my current job on Twitter. Great. <laughs> yes. In a, in a weird roundabout way. So at that time I was freelancing this time in California, um, still for, for various like small educational or mobile game companies, um, just doing a little work here and there. And, and it was hard. So I was looking for, you know, always new things to add to my, um, work repertoire and a then member of the team had tweeted and I didn't actually follow her, but a, a comic artist I had followed had retweeted this, that her team was looking for contractors. And I, I vaguely knew this person. We had overlapped at school. She was a senior when I was a freshman. So I kind of, you know, was looking like, we have like, oh, wow, she's looking for help. Uh, and I was like, well, I don't have anything to lose. You know, I'm, I'm local. Uh, so I'll just send my portfolio. And they got back to me and, and they had me do an art test. And I guess they liked that enough to have me come in just for an informal interview because it, it was a contract position. It wasn't um, kind of the big rigmarole that you might have to do for full time. Um, we just had an informal lunch and the team was super nice and there was free food. Very exciting. <laughs> um, but spoilers, I actually didn't get that job. Hmm. Uh, yeah, they actually filled that position with an internal um, artist that was working with another team. Uh, but they did actually still like me. And again, I was so close that they could always just like communicate with me really easily if they had to have me come in. So they did have me do uh, freelance for them for about six months. So I still got to work on a doodle, which was exciting. Um, and at the end of that six months, they were like, actually, we're still really, really busy. Can you please come in and help us with these national days? You know, come on site, be a contractor for us. So I was like, well, sure, you know, of course, you know, even if it's a short-term thing, all my previous jobs had also been contract positions, so it wasn't something that bothered me, um, and I was like, all right, sweet, you know, like, 
I get to meet all these people, learn all this stuff. So I, I went on site, and after a year of working for them, mostly doing national days, so we do a lot of national days for, for countries all around the world, he decided there was an opening, and they wanted to convert me to a full-time artist. So I've been there now for about three and a half years. That's so cool. What it, I mean, and one thing that I love about um, – you know, the Google doodles is that it's something that sort of entire countries gather around for a day, whether they realize it or not. Um, what has kind of surprised you about, and I know I obviously want to respect what you can and can't speak about, but, um, what has surprised you about that team and, and how things sort of get done and how do, uh, pieces get selected? I think people are curious to, to know a little bit more about the process on that. Um, so the selection happens, you know, at the management level. So I'm actually not involved in that, although we can uh, submit. We actually have, like, have open submissions. So um, people that we work with, that work with the team, and then other people can always submit uh, ideas for consideration. But our the thing that probably surprises people most is our pipeline is decided well in advance. So actually the years, everything that's written that year, are, you know, yeah, but it's a very arduous process to select from what I can see. Uh, I do not envy my managers for that, um, but... Bit hard. We do tend to try to look for round numbers, um, but we don't always succeed. So totally. I do know that's that's an aspect. So but. what does your day to day look like? Like when what is your um, workflow and and kind of when you uh, go into work? Is there a typical day or is every day pretty different for you? Uh, it really depends on what I'm working on at the time. All of us are usually juggling multiple projects at the same time, and they could be regular static doodles or they could be larger interactive doodles. So I think that schedules will vary based on that. Mine tends to be pretty normal, just the way my work is spaced out. So a lot of the times I'll come in and if I have emails waiting for me, because we're we're always communicating with people around the world, um, because we, you know, obviously I'm not Turkish. So if I need, you know, somebody to, to check my sketch and make sure, you know, it's culturally relevant and we're celebrating, you know, the, the right, in the right way, um, while well, I refer to a Turkish Googler and they can help me kind of make sure we're doing the best that we can um, in terms of making something that's relevant for that country. So I also often have a lot of international emails that come in while I'm asleep. So I answer those and then I usually draw once in a while we'll have meetings. We do have, you know, weekly reviews where we all look at things. So those will be on my schedule as well. Um, but yeah, I actually do a lot of kind of sitting quietly and, and drawing so that's really cool. Do you like to start out digitally or do you have, um, do you like to sort of have a sketch, you know, pad and pen nearby? What's your preference when it comes to that? Um, when I'm doing specifically like that kind of work, I will actually, a lot of my teammates also will do this is we'll have just terrible scribbles on post-it notes. <laughs> Amen. Um, yeah, that sort of usual, love like me some post-it notes. <laughs> putting out, you know, just whatever comes to mind, just exploring concepts. Um, and that's kind of where it starts. And then usually a lot of the times our final product is digital. So we'll move to the digital stage, but once in a while, we're lucky enough to get, you know, the kind of topic that's fits another medium really, really well. Like for example, I've done a doodle out of potatoes before and I got to do <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so those are always really fun opportunities. Um, you mentioned a little uh, bit ago um, about, you know, having done a lot of freelance work in your past. Um, and I know that there are, you know, folks who listen who are trying to up their game when it comes to landing more freelance work. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts um, and things that maybe worked for you when you were focused on freelance work and, and landing those gigs. 
as you're advising maybe friends now in the biz, what are your sort of go-to pieces of advice around how to, um, I guess, better your chances for more freelance gigs? Oh, this is an interesting question for me to answer because I would say I was never that successful about sure, sure. freelance work. Um, there was a lot of luck involved and I had a few clients that I had gotten that, that luckily still stick with me today and I'm very grateful for them. But I think if I were talking to other people in the industry, I think what I would say would depend on, on where they think they are in their career. Yeah, because the industry is really broad. So if you already know what corner of the industry you want to work in and you're like, this is what I want to do, I think that's one of the easiest ways because then you, you pick a few clients who are in that that corner and then take a look at their quality bar and aim for that bar. And even if you don't think that you're quite at that bar yet, because I think a lot of us never really think we're at that bar, you know, it's worth it to reach out, email art directors, you know, send cards. There, there's some, you know controversy about whether people see cards but anyway you can get your work in front of them even if it's like going to conventions and like showing your work you know maybe they'll see it um so that would be my advice for somebody who really knows what they want to do and if you don't know which a lot of people don't um you could do take some time to do some self-evaluation and really do some research in all these different things like look around at what other people are doing and see if you can look for threads with commonality and the work coming out of these different areas and even if your work doesn't like resemble that kind of like work exactly like look for common themes and then maybe you might feel like oh actually I could fit here um and then you can start pursuing that if you don't know what you want at all and your work is inconsistent my advice is really to just keep drawing and developing because you really never know where and when you'll find answers to these questions and you know doing more drawing is never bad and sometimes it really takes time like you know a lot of people I think think oh I'm gonna go freelance and then like Things take time. Like there's a lot of time between my work reaches somebody and then maybe they have a job, sometimes even years. So, you know, just being patient and not losing hope and keeping at it is my best advice with with that situation. That's that's great advice. I'd love to talk a little bit sort of shifting gears um, here. I am kind of obsessed with your color palette. So, for instance, right now I have um, sort of the, the front page of your, um, website pulled up. And I really, I love the mood and the tone and the color palettes that you've selected for each one. Do you mind just speaking a little bit about, um, color and how you've learned, um, about it and your use of it when you're able to just sort of create what you want to create? Um, I, any thoughts you have around color, I would love to hear them because I'm just kind of obsessed with your use of them. Ah, trade secrets. Um, not really. Uh, so color is interesting, and I think probably a lot of it comes that I've always liked very colorful work. Mm. So I think a lot of what I see influences how I think about color. And I have a very – like color can be sort of science and it can be intuition, and I think it's a mix of both, uh, knowing a little bit about how color really works in the real world, how they interact and how even – though it's relative, how our eyes perceive it is really important. But also I think there's some intuition that comes with just working with it a lot. And I think people get really scared of color. And so they, they never really get that second opportunity. They might read about it, but you know, just like playing really goes a long way with that. And that's how I kind of learned in school and that I just had to paint a lot. Like I took all the painting courses I could and you just spend a lot of time with color that way. And I think that helped. And then I'm also really interested in landscape paintings and landscapes really have all the colors in the world you know like 
at any time of day in any part of the world, you get such different palettes. And so if you look at those a lot, I also think you can learn so much about what unusual types of color you can work with. And I actually work with like much less subtle color palettes than you would see in real life. I, I do. It's a lot of made up stuff, um, but I think that's kind of where it begins. Um, and when I am trying to decide a piece, a lot of the time I am thinking about what kind of tone I want the, the piece to have. And that's sort of where I start with the colors. And if I wanted a night scene, then I, I do look a lot at a lot of night paintings because, you know, there are masters out there who only do night scenes and they're way better than I am. So, you know, kind of look at the tips and tricks that they use to pull out shapes and forms and do different kinds of lightings. And like, what if you have a warm light within like this night scene and things like that? And you can learn so much by people who already know more than you. <laughs> that's right. So I think that's a lot of it. Um, I love that as a tip, and that kind of um, spurs another question for me, which is, um, you certainly, uh, you found you, I think you mastered your own brain in a way. You you kind of just figured out how you learn and how to uh, go from zero to sixty um, in terms of learning art. What is it about your own process when you find out that you might need to learn a new skill within um, art? How do you go about doing that? And I think you just alluded to it a little bit, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about when, even now, when you need to learn something new, what's your process look like? I think I'm pretty methodical. Mm. I think, you know... Which is awesome. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> that high school influence I could never quite escape. Uh, I think it varies a little bit. I do subscribe a little bit to that, you know, draw a lot of the thing that you're trying to learn. But I also think there's some that's some thinking components that you really have to make sure that you stop to reflect on where you are and learning what you're trying to learn. And really like break it down and be like, all right, so how many ways can I break up this this item, whatever it is, you know, can I do a research part? Can I do just drawing practice? Can I talk to people about it and try to do a little bit of each? Cause you get a little different kinds of knowledge from each of those things. Like if you just do research and look at what people are already doing, sometimes you miss out on a way to customize it with your personal flair. Um, so then you have to take that research and then spend a lot of time doing it yourself and then talk to people who are also on a similar journey. So it's, it's kind of a multi-tiered learning process. Um, but I do think, you know, just thinking about where you're at and always trying to like improve, not, not to like put yourself down, look at your work and be like, this is terrible. But even if you do like, you know, a drawing a day for like 30 days and then look back and see what things changed and improved, you can learn a lot about even how you're learning from that. Um, and then that can also aid you to find out what your, your next project in that learning period should be. Be like, okay, you know, I did really well in this, but I still have a weakness here. I'm going to make you know, make a little plan for myself. I for love that. that. That's, so, that's little, brilliant. Like, unromantic the way you No, go I love it, it though. Like, I, I find that there, I just find that there's a lot of, um, I guess, comfort in hearing people sort of demystify their artistic process because it feels like, oh, okay, if I, you know, if I can learn to do that, maybe I can get a little bit better. So I love that. I love hearing methods and strategies like that. I think that's brilliant. Um, as a, uh, I would call myself a novice illustrator, um, you know, I, I've spent a lot of time on YouTube, watching a lot of tutorials, obviously going through Instagram, um, bookmarking things that I really uh, appreciate and enjoy. 
And one common thread I see of other aspiring illustrators is there's this constant focus on what kind of tablet are you using? What kind of software are you using? Um, and most of the, the artists that um, have been on the podcast have all said something that I really appreciate, which is it's not about the tools, <laughs> just use what you have. Um, we had one artist on, Kayla Coombs, who I adore, and she um, she she almost has a lot of fun finding the crappiest pencil she can possibly find and doing her initial sketches with that. Um, and I really appreciate that, that there's this focus of you know, the people who have actually learned the craft know it's not about the tools per se. It's really <laughs> just about um, learning your craft and putting in the work. Um, that being said, what kind of tools do you really, really enjoy when you get to create just for yourself? Are you uh, more of an analog person, a digital person? I'd love to hear a little bit about to what kinds of tools you enjoy using. I used to get so excited when when people would ask me about my tools because I was like, maybe they're interested in what I'm doing, you know? I am. I, I certainly am. I guess I just felt obligated to like, yeah, throw out the, that. I understand that it's not about so much the, the tools making the work great. You make the work great. But what kind of tools do you use? I'd love to hear about it. Uh, so I use, when I'm doing my client work and I'm doing my, my day job work, I use a Cintiq and Photoshop for the most part. Um, pretty standard. I haven't made the switch to iPad or whatnot, although people talk about it a lot. So I'll have to try it at some point. Um, but I actually get computer fatigue really, really badly. And I don't know if it's because I spent too much time on the computer, you know, for the past 10 years or something. Or Does if that affect your eyes more than anything? Is it like just, what does that look like? Uh, if I spend too much time with screens, I just feel like my head hurts oh, and wow. I just feel kind of gross. Um, so I need to like go outside for a while. Um, yeah. So I try not to do that when I'm doing my personal work. So a couple of years ago, I started doing kind of pen and ink, even though that was not that, never anything I really did that much in school. Um, I just started doing Inktober, and I found out I really, really liked it. So I do a lot of pen and ink in my sketchbook and sometimes still wash um, when I'm trying to get away from, from the computer. And I find that really soothing as well because it's just low pressure, and I can just kind of work out like little fun ideas for myself. What's your go-to notebook? I use Handbook, actually. Oh, um, nice. Same one. I have like a stack of all the same ones. And my friend had just given it to me as a gift when I, I was still in school. And I, I really liked the, the paper because it was good enough for both dry and wet media if I was using kind of a dry gouache. So I like having that in case I want to play in different, you know, types of media. Absolutely. What What's your go-to pen? A brand, oh, I guess I should say. I'm uh, sure you use different uh, nibs, but... I typically use the Copic multi-liners, the black ones. They're waterproof. I usually use 0.3, which is really small, and sometimes <laughs> I don't know why I do that. That's and awesome. Because you do art as a, as a profession, do you typically take a breather from it on the weekends, or is that the time where you're like, I actually get to create what I want to create? I'm curious to hear like if you do it seven days a week or if you really appreciate and need a breather from it. It it really depends on kind of the season. I, I've definitely found like there's times of the year when I'm really excited to make things and then other seasons when I know that I just need a lot of downtime and to get away and just consume stuff for a while. So it, it varies a lot. Um, and when I am making things, like I'll want to keep making things so that'll last for a while. Um, but I do feel like I have a limit. Like I'm not one of those people that can work like 14 hours a day. Like 
Yeah, it's really hard, especially if you're doing the same kind of work. If I'm different, doing different kind of work, you know, I, I find I have a little more flexibility there. But, you know, I have a limit. And at this point, I kind of know it. So um, if I have extra energy, then I will, you know, do a little drawing or start working on a project or something. But if not, then I just be like, okay, you know, I just don't have the energy. I'll do something else. Um, what are your other hobbies? I'd love to hear a little bit about, uh, you know, just that kind of stuff. Oh, man. The secret <laughs> life of Alyssa. <laughs> Uh, I like baking and gardening. Uh, I'm very lucky to have a yard, so I have a lot of fruit trees that I tend and trim. And right now the cherries and the peaches are coming in and California is ridiculous because it's just so bizarre that fruit just grows here. Um, and so I do a lot of weeding, uh, because Boy, fun. you got to do all that. That's right. Fun. Um, but I actually find it really cathartic. It's nice to just use your hands to do things. Um, and then when I'm not gardening, I do like baking a lot. I actually love food. I'm very food motivated. Girl. Still like excited <laughs> about that. Um, but it, it's fun. Baking is kind of like, in, it's an art, but I don't have to stress about it because there's a recipe. I, I do a recipe. So I just like look at the recipe, follow the instructions. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. That's part of the fun. So. This is a not a great segue, but it's another question I have. Sometimes I like it if the questions sort of build off each other and flow, mm -hmm. but oh well. <laughs> this time it doesn't. Um, so many artists are kind of known as like messy creatives. There's this, you know, um, idea that if you are a creative person, you're messy or a bit of a whirling dervish and um, sort of leaving things in your path because that's the only way you can create. And that's certainly true for some people. Um, and I mean, personally, that's definitely how I am. <laughs> I'm not proud of it, but it is. <laughs> Um, and then others are very methodical and neat about their process. I'd love to hear a little bit about, I mean, it sounds to me like you'd probably um, err towards and not err as in that it's a bad thing, but the neat side of things, um, are you a pretty methodical, neat person in your creative process? Uh, this is funny because I'm actually a pretty messy person in the rest of my life. Uh, I like leave clothes everywhere, but in my art, I'm pretty by the book just because that's sort of how I learned. Um, and there wasn't a lot of room to deviate from that in the, in the educational setup. Um, so, uh, you know, I will do like the standard like thumbnail sketches. Once in a while, I'll do a color draft depending on who I'm working with. And then the final. When I'm doing my own work, I do a lot less of that. Um, but I think you can still see like the messy aspect, though, if you actually look very closely at my work. It looks quite tight, but when you zoom in, it's a mess. Like there's, it's like like going up to a, a very loose painting. Um, so I think that's where I get my my messy side out. I love it. You can't see it, but it's no, there. you can't. So as far as um, work that you're really sort of crushing on these days, or I mean, it could be anything. It could be maybe a book or another illustrator's work that you're really loving. What um, what kinds of art are you really appreciating these days, or whose art are you appreciating these days? Um, right now I'm watching Rilakkuma uh, and Kaoru. It's uh, it's I think it's mostly stop motion, but it's on Netflix and. It's just, I always like kind of looking at stuff that's sort of in the art domain, but outside of any way I've ever worked. And that's definitely of it. And I just like to appreciate how things are made and the way things are animated and some, some hard stuff that they do. And it's also kind of, I'm still learning the story, but uh, I'm liking that right now. And I've also been into 
Uh, I have a local book sale at the library that I, I'll go to. They have it like once a month. And a lot of the times I look at the weird hobby books. And I have a wood joining book, book now that talks about Japanese wood joints, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not going to do anything with it because I myself don't build furniture. But um, it's just really interesting to see like craft, you know, craft that you don't always know about or even notice when you see it. So those are some cool things. That's fantastic. And hey, maybe one day you will. That's true. Is there anything um, that we didn't get a chance to kind of touch on today around art or around things that you really enjoy discussing with um, artists who are just getting started that you'd like to share at all? I think generally, just because, I don't know, I see a lot of freaked out people when I when I talk to students and, and other artists, and I just sometimes want to say, like, don't freak out, but if you are freaking out, that's okay and normal. Um, and, you know, just, just find ways to sort of be healthy towards yourself, be nice to yourself. We're so mean to ourselves, I think, as creators. Um, and, like, just try to keep in mind, like, don't say things to yourself that you wouldn't say to one of your good friends who might also be an artist. That's, that's something I've been working on, That too. is good advice. I'm going to just take a minute (laughs) (laughs) and soak that in. That's brilliant. My friend, if you, if people want to keep up with your journey, um, where do you prefer they sort of follow you online or keep up with you? Um, I mean, I guess, you know, if they actually want to see my work, it's on the website. They do girl. (laughs) Uh, but if they want to sort of see my, my life and like my, my silly little ink sketches, those will be on Instagram, which is a L a Winans. Uh, that's the handle and my twitter name is just my full name so pretty easy to find very cool and both of those are going to be in the um, show notes so feel free to click through on those but Alyssa, you are a lovely person i adore you thank you so much for swinging by the show oh you're so sweet thanks so much for having me on of course i really appreciate it yeah and that's a wrap girl 